Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Why are you laughing? What's so funny? <laughs> it's because we said Josh is the only one here, and then uh, Matt said, hey, now. Oh, oh, sorry. Hi, Matt. He's there, too. <laughs> yeah. No, that's why I was laughing. But I am here. I'm ready to talk about video games. I'm ready to... I played a lot of video games, but not in the last three or four days. Like, probably, like, so long ago. Like, actually, right probably after we started recording. And then it's just been, uh, it's been a whirlwind. But, like, I love being reminded of the time when I played video games. Like, it was two days ago. Actually, it was yesterday. But, yeah, good time. Sorry, you guys. Ryan's being really weird tonight. I'm not really sure what's going on with that, but... Ah, you know, it's okay. (laughs) It's legal here now. But anyways, um, <laughs> I'm just joking. That's not true. Um, so what are we doing? What are we doing here? What are we we're going to talk about video games? What do you want to talk about first? We've got lots on the I, We do. We do. We actually uh, did manage to play a few different games this week. So uh, why don't we start off with Yakuza? Is it Yakuza 0? <laughs> no, it's, I, I don't know. Okay. I've never played any of them, so I'm not sure. But this is another one off of Jimmy's uh, Game of the Year list from last year, right? Uh, I think it might have it might have been a couple years ago, but I know Yakuza is one of those game series that Jimmy is about. If you if Jimmy had a business card, Yakuza would be on it for some reason. Um, <laughs> probably because he's no, wait, no, he's not Yakuza, uh, or is he? Anyways, Yakuza Zero is a game that uh, was on the Humble Bundle monthly, and I saw it pop up, and I've always, I've always been uh, kind of tempted by the series because jim talks so highly of it and then i saw it come up in the hum- humble bundle and i was just like well i guess now uh, you have to. i have to <laughs> exactly so i picked it up and i promised jim i would play it and we would talk about it on the show and i am happy to report that it is it is a, a crazy game it's pretty nuts um basically so what what type of game is Dekuza? because i see jimmy talking about it all hmm. the time but what kind of game is it um it's tough. <laughs> I was like, this isn't a trick question. It's it's pretty yeah, much know. like the most basic question you can answer it, about a game. <laughs> it's literally the first question that most people ask when they're wondering, what game is this? You know? So, no, it, it's, it, the, it's hard to tell because the first couple chapters are very quite slow. Like, the first chapter especially starts quite slow. And it's really, if you ask me, if you played, like, the first couple hours, you'd think this is a cinematic story experience where you're kind of walking from point A of the story to point B of the story. And there's a lot of cutscenes. It's all Japanese voice acted. There's there's no English. Oh, so it's uh, like um, Xenoblade Chronicles where like the first like hour or two of the game is like we're going to set up the story with basically anime episodes while you mm. sort of try to start to explore. But even then, like we're not going to introduce you to any game mechanics, like no combat, no nothing. Mm-hmm. We're just going to show you some anime and then you'll yeah. get to the game after like two and three hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's not it wasn't quite that bad, but like it was more focused on setting up the story and the environment because you, while it's Yakuza 0, this is a prequel to the series. Uh, I think four or maybe five Yakuza games came out before this one. Um, but it is still a good place to jump in because it is legitimately like a, an introduction to all the characters but basically like it sets it up as this y- yakuza story it's uh it's very japanese some might say super and it basically sets up the uh the i think the murder mystery or the murder framing thing that is that is 
plague the main character throughout the the series, if not maybe just the first game. I don't know, but it it sets Which it up means quite well. If it's if it's like the murder mystery of something that plagues the main character through mm-hmm. the entire series, then I I feel like that's already almost a, a flag for me because I'd be like. Well, I already know he's not going to solve this because if I understood what happened, mm. then well, it I, wouldn't plague me for five games. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that for a, like for an absolute fact. I just know the first one references this story because I was looking up the because basically, so the Yakuza series goes like Yakuza one, two, three, four. And then five, five, and then zero came out. No, no, no. This is going somewhere. This isn't just me counting. Okay. Like, don't like you're worse than Caden. It's like, yes, dad. One, two, three, four, five. Let's move on. Five is next. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. This isn't my first Rodeo. Um, anyways. And then <laughs> Yakuza zero. And then they actually remade Yakuza one and two. They call them Yakuza Kiwami and Yakuza Kiwami two. So that's where I was getting at. So they have started to reintroduce the older the older games back into the series. But anyways, they they set up the story and it's very it's it's very Japanese at the very beginning where they're they're setting up this you are yakuza, you're you're kind of respected on the streets. And they do introduce the combat very early on, but in fits and spurts. So very similar to Xenoblade where you're you're they're throwing you into combat, kind of teaching you the basics and then ripping it away from you and having you progress through the story a little bit further. Um, so when it comes to the combat, that's where it shifts from a story-based game to a, uh, street brawler. Have you ever played Streets of Rage or any of those side-scrolling arcade games from, like, the Sega Genesis era or, like, um, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games, maybe? Like, did any of those cross your, your radar? I played, um, oh, crap, what was it called? Um... It was like uh, you were this like dude kind of in a mech suit and uh, there were like space aliens invading and it was a hmm. scrolly thing and it was like you just shoot everything all like, of the time. So, sort of. Like platforms. Your, yeah. Like Contra. Contra. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's... um. It's not, it's similar to that in the sense that if you were, if you're shooting, but in this case, you have different fighting styles. They start you off with like the brawler style, which is basically mash buttons, hit person, knock them out. And there are a couple of mechanics where you build up the heat meter. And it's very similar to like a Streets of Rage, you know, mechanic where you're grabbing people and you're punching them and you can push like, when you grab people and push the triangle button, you can activate these, uh, they're called heat moves, which initiates a very uh cinematic takedown move or or in the case of you're fighting a boss you're you're taking out a large chunk of their health very similar to now you might have played these games the more recent like kind of mortal Kombat and street fighter games like more the recent fighters where you're you're building up that super energy and then you're kind of using chunks of it to augment your moves and stuff it's kind of like that Okay, so do you, like, move through a world and then get thrown into, like, a side view battle? So it's kind of like Pokemon with the random well, encounters, but then instead of going into a Poke battle, you go into a, a beat-em-up fighting game? The, the, beating, the beat-em-up is, still, is like an arena, so it's like it is 3D. You're able to move around and kind of, like, dodge, and, and, and you're not on a 2D plane. But there is a okay. small... I wouldn't call it an open world, I'd call it an open map. So in the first two chapters, you're playing as Kiru, and you're in this small section of Japan. I think it's specifically like, I don't know if it's if it's real or fictional, but it's like Kuru something. 
I can't remember, but it was this specific area that's like an entertainment area. It's set in the 80s, so everybody has like pagers, and there are these like weird things called <laughs> pay phones. Uh, we were just talking about that. And then some guy pulls out a cell phone, and it looks like it's a brick or something. It was wild. But uh, anyways, you're, you're running around this town. It's a very entertainment-focused business. And the cool setup to the story is that the Yakuza and these, uh, later on they introduced this like real estate business, but is basically just like the real estate, the Yakuza of the real estate industry. So they're kind of like fighting <laughs> okay. over, they're fighting over these, these pieces of property because the more you own in this entertainment district, the more you can tear down and build a bigger space. And like, because there are a lot of these like small little bars all over the place. It's like this huge entertainment uh district and whatnot so they kind of play on that story and it, it is it is really interesting i don't know the stories of the other ones and how they revolve but i i doubt like i doubt it's anything they, like i doubt they're all the same they just have the same main characters but it is quite interesting to see this story play out because it kind of makes sense right like it makes sense that a, the crime lords would want to buy up all this real estate to mm-hmm. open an even bigger you know, money laundering operation, right? So makes sense. Yeah, and the combat. So here's my thing. Like, I like, I like the story. Uh, it's getting kind of wackier and wackier. In the third chapter, they introduce uh, this new main character who operates a club, and he's like the manager or whatever. And he's not he's not allowed to hit people, but he has this like surly customer. So there's this whole like he like instructs the band to start and there's this whole like bit where he's like dodging punches while the band's playing and like just <laughs> pissing this guy off because you're not allowed to hurt him and as he's like dodging he's like he's like giving him tips he's like oh sir you know if, you, if you're tired you could pay your tab and you can leave or something like that and then once it initiates the combat it's like hotel management tips is is the combat uh tip that pops up and it's basically just telling you to dodge <laughs> <laughs> so like there's some humor there and there's some some wit so that's really cool and it's really well translated too like i think that's one of the major things people you know lay at the feet at this at this franchise and say like it is a a a, a game made for the japanese audience but they they adapt it for the western audience with such great localization i never once felt like i was being punished for having to read all all of the subtitles you know Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really glad they didn't go with English uh, voiceover, voiceover? Like dubbing. You yeah. knew it would be terrible, you know. Which I think is one of the things that Jim has always talked about with the series is mm-hmm. that, like, you know, it is a lot of reading. It's all subtitles and stuff. But I think I feel like you, um, I always like subtitles over dubbed vocals because mm-hmm. you get the emphasis in the original language, which I feel like conveys meaning a whole lot better than trying to translate into a different language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you do feel that. And then as the dialogue's playing, sometimes you're kind of like half watching the subtitles and half watching, you know, the, the characters, you know, interact with each other. And, and you're getting that, you know, original Japanese voice acting. And it kind of, like, it works because it fits within the universe of, you know, this is Japan, these are the Yakuza, you know, it's very, very, uh, you know, authentic in, in my mind. Like, if you were into, you know, Yakuza movies, you would you would probably be super into this series. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of people really dig it. And the one thing, and I don't know if it's because this is the Zero one or, and they kind of, you know, updated it for six, but I think 
felt like the combat got a little bit repetitive. Like they they offer you these new moves and stuff, but or these new styles, but I didn't really feel like there was a lot to the combat. But I could be wrong. Like maybe I'm not doing it right. But I found most of the time or I was. Or you just, might still be. It might still be super early on, right? Yeah, I'm only about six hours in. I don't know how in. big the. I don't know how big the game is, so. Yeah, it feels quite big because as I was trying to progress through a chapter, I'd just constantly be stopped by these like side quests. So, I, I mean, not to go through the whole first three chapters, but there's this one, and this will show how quirky this game is. So I'm running from across town to, to complete this quest, and I run into this guy. He basically, I like trip over him, and he's like mm -hmm. apologetic, but he's also like telling me off. And I'm like, that's really weird. And every time you have a moment with people, like, it'll be playing, like, the jazzy, like, beat-em-up 80s music. And then all of a sudden, when you have a moment, like, a lifestyle moment, it just, like, goes into that, like, days of our lives, kind of like, I don't want to emulate it because I, I won't do it justice. <laughs> but you can picture the music. It's like, yes, I know, Urkel I do learns a lesson, about, yeah. you know? That sort of music. And <laughs> so I run into this guy, and it's this band, this boy band, who have sold themselves as these punk rockers, but they're, like... One guy is, you know, uh, he says, like, oh, his persona is, like, always with a different woman, but he's never been with a woman. The other guy is, like, he gets in fights all the <laughs> times, but he uh, he's, like, actually an altar boy or something. And the other guy, it was just really weird. So you're, as the, they're like, oh, you look really tough. You can teach us how to be, how to be punk rockers. So you, through dialogue, get to, like, tell people, you know, okay, your backstory is that you always get in gang fights. And then when you were three years old, then it fades out and then it fades back in as you're like finishing the story and, and, uh, you get to see it all unfold and it's, it's them using the lines you gave them. And then, and it kind of resolves, but it's all through text, you know, and, and a bit of dialogue, but it was like, it's kind of, it was funny and quirky. It's, it was really, just really odd and different from anything I've ever sort of played before you know and i played obviously played a lot of japanese games you know from from nintendo and stuff but this is even kind of wackier you know like maybe the closest thing i can think of would be that one quest in breath of the wild where you're like buying a house from some guy and he's just got like he's he's a very he's a very flowery personality you sometimes run into them in, in all the legend of zelda games right and he's just it's kind of wacky and quirky you're like oh, this guy kind of stands out from basically every other character in this game so yeah but, um the like uh oh crap the salesman guy the traveling salesman guy yeah. beetle or whatever yeah. yeah definitely him i was also thinking like the the mask guy from majora's mask he was a little quirky mm. too a lot of characters like that tingle the the full-grown man in the fairy costume <laughs> yeah how are we forgetting the original weird man in the costume <laughs> you know and yeah, this game's really weird, and honestly, for like $12 American to subscribe for the month and get this game alongside a couple others that, that are in the bundle when they when they unlock at the end of the month, it's uh, I think it's worth it. Like, it's totally worth it, and a great jumping in point, because there's nothing you need to kind of know. They, they set you up from the beginning. It's the setup of the characters, setup of the universe, uh, plus it's the 80s, so pagers are back. I've never actually seen a pager <laughs> in real life. Really? Oh, no, I, I don't think so. I was in high school. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, like, so, like, people just, it's like texting, right? But you text a number, and then you know who, like, or they call you, and it just shows the number. It's like, oh, I know I gotta 
I don't yeah, know. they okay. yeah, you call the pager and then the number shows up and then you're like, oh, hey, I need to go call this thing back. And then I think that I you were able to leave like very, very short. It was like the original Twitter. You could leave very, very short like text messages, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, because <laughs> he would like sometimes you'd see his pager and it was like, oh, that's the number of HQ and the XF in front of it means it's critical or something. And I, I better call them back <laughs> right away. And it's like you're taking cabs and you're talking to your best friend and like. It's a, uh, it's it's a very quirky game, but it, it's it's really cool. It's got its hooks in me. I'm 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 I've been playing quite a bit, honestly, uh, before the week got really busy, and it's just a good kind of laid back experience. And then there are times when you get into like, you get out of the story and you get into more of the fight after fight, like sort of like arena battles, and and that's where it kind of gets interesting as you're progressing. I was progressing through like a building, fighting a bunch of guys. And this guy just kept coming back after me after I beat him. And, and he's like kind of a sub boss till eventually like I drop kicked him out of a window. And that was pretty cool. But I drop kicked him so badass illy through the window that I also went out the window. But I grabbed the ledge at the last second. And I was like, boom, that's how you drop kick someone out of a window. It was really cool. So Yakuza Zero, you <laughs> should check awesome. it out. Uh, I... I... We'll be honest, I probably no, won't yeah. just because uh, <laughs> brawler style games aren't really my thing. But yeah. uh, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you're so into this. I'm I mean, it. I, I got another awesome recommendation from Jim's list for game of the year. So if you guys are curious, uh, all the games that Jim picked were in episode 352. Right near the end, we talked about all of your choices for game of the year last year. So go and check that out. Uh, before we start talking about Walking Dead, because you did get mm. to um, to play the final season that we weren't even sure was even going to get made after Telltale kind of went belly up. But mm-hmm. uh, before we talk to that, I'm going to talk really, really quickly about Gree because I gave it a shot this week. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is probably the unpopular opinion, especially since someone in our Discord actually recommended this to me. Artistically, it's very 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 beautiful but gameplay wise i was super bored oh i only ended up lasting maybe um i think i played somewhere between like 30 and 45 minutes maybe it's quite linear the puzzles in it aren't very challenging and it could be that it gets more challenging later on but honestly i was just I was just really, really super bored. Mm. And there's no um, overt story. Like, there's no text. There's no, um, like, voiceover. There's no nothing. Mm. And so I read other reviews that say that apparently it's about grief or the stages thereof. Then they're trying to tell you a story through like the visuals and the music. And again, like artistically, it's very beautiful, both the score as well as like the visuals. But I just like maybe it's because there was no voiceover. Maybe it's because there was no text even to kind of set things up. Or I was supposed to look a lot deeper than I was ready to. When I decided to sit down and play the game, like maybe I just wasn't in the mood. I don't know. But I had also read that apparently like her dress changes and gives you different powers and stuff. So I guess I was just like looking for more 
gameplay elements mm. earlier on in the game. I don't know. But I felt like I was just sitting there with like my WASD keys and my space bar, and I was just hitting the D key and running to the right and hitting the space bar sometimes. And it was super, super boring. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> this one, uh, like from an artistic standpoint, it looks like kind of an ink an inked drawing the way they've they've put it together and it looks it looks like the ink drawing is is alive you know the way it they, does they, it they, almost looks know. like somebody is like painting a watercolor yeah. as you're moving through it and which that... is which is a super interesting art choice and actually a lot of the other choices with the stone structures and the staircases mm -hmm. and things reminded me a whole lot of do you remember that mobile game uh, it was like you solved puzzles. There was like um, stairs and stuff, and it, it was called oh, um, uh, Monument Valley. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it aesthetically almost reminds me of that. But the thing that I loved about Monument Valley is that it was super challenging. Yes, there was never much of a challenge, at least as far as I got in Gree, and it. I so I made it through the gray area into the red area. And I think I made it most of the way through the red area before I just, I, I literally got so bored. I just couldn't continue. Oh, that's and too bad. So you kind of, you go through and you have to collect these little, um, they look like, you know, in constellation drawings, the stars are represented by those circles. So again, this, this goes back kind of to the aesthetic it chose. But um, you collect these little circles that then when you get enough, they like form a constellation and you can use it like a bridge. So you'll get to a point in the story where it's like, oh, I need like five stars to complete this bridge. And so I have to go back and explore a little bit to try to find all the stars to make the bridge. And then I go on. Mm -hmm. But none of the challenges were actually challenging. And again, I think this goes back to their um, putting story and feeling ahead of gameplay but then i feel like their story was just kind of muddied so the story itself wasn't enough and maybe i'm just you know some uneducated uncultured <laughs> no. person that i didn't get what they were trying to tell me but like i don't know i was just like this game okay you know how we talked about um frostpunk yeah, yeah, yeah. and everyone was saying like oh frostpunk's really depressing blah 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 blah, blah. this game this game is depressing. There is nothing good about this game in terms of like good, happy, hopeful feelings. This game is just, it's its gray and the mm. music is sad and the character is sad. Sometimes you'll be running along and she'll just stop running and just like fall over and just like cry. And I'm like, oh, I, like I just, there wasn't anything about it that really like um, spoke to me in any way. It just seemed like they were trying to tell me something but they weren't really being clear about what they were trying to get across. And I think I was supposed to be feeling things, but then I wasn't feeling things. So then the really weak gameplay wasn't enough to keep yeah. me pushing well, to figure out what the end goal was. If, if, and I haven't played the game, I, I have seen videos of it in like the chat room. I, I was interested in the way it looked, but I wasn't really, it, it didn't allow, I didn't buy it because I didn't see like kind of like, like you said, the gameplay. And you know, when people talk about, you know, the the type of games where it's like this, but the gameplay matches up. I don't know if you've played Journey, but to me, Journey was kind I've of... I've seen that comparison, and mm -hmm. I haven't actually played Journey, mm -hmm. but because uh, it was... Um, Journey was a PlayStation game, right? Before I got a PlayStation? Yeah, it was like tail end PS3, but then it was also yeah. put up on 
PS4, but by that point it, it would have Yeah, been... it was put up on PS4, but even the PS4 I didn't get until yeah. uh, they made like a Last of Us um, collector's edition. Like I got a PS4, I want to say like two years maybe after... I got my PS4 like three years ago anyways, or four years yeah, didn't ago. Didn't you get an Xbox so, One before that? I did. I had an, uh, the Xbox One, was, or no, sorry. Um, I just didn't have... It took me forever to get onto this next gen stuff. So PS4 was my first oh, okay. console purchase of that generation, but still I didn't get I was playing on the 360 forever. True. I loved that console. So it took a me a long did. time to actually Yeah, it took me a long time to actually jump to the next generation. And uh when I did it, PS4 had already been out for a couple of years. So by the time um Journey actually like came it was like an old game. It was I was like more interested in like the new stuff the playstation because playstation 4 was also my first playstation right so mm. i was like there were so many other things i'd never experienced in the playstation realm that yeah journey just kind of fell by the wayside for me but mm. i have seen people draw the comparison so between I'm, this and journey yeah i'm curious so you said this game is about grief and um which i wasn't 100 percent sure i thought okay. maybe it was about depression but i didn't really know like it was the reviews that told me what the game was supposed to be about. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm wondering if like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm wondering if maybe this is one of those games where it's not, I, again, I haven't played it, but I'm wondering if it's designed in a way where it's not, it, well, it's particularly not designed well enough that it can apply to all folks to educate on um, the, whatever they're trying to educate, whether it's grief or depression, or if it's just something that would, that would uh, that would illustrate to people who have experienced that emotion to kind of like reinforce like yeah I, I'm stronger I can do better like this this game is showing me how I can defeat my grief or you know well, manage my I'm just curious like what is I've the been point through like PTSD levels of grief mm. and so it's not like I've never experienced the sure. emotion before and if I couldn't relate then. I'm not really sure how this is meant to get a story across. And I mean, I've read kind of me like medium reviews of this game that are some of them say basically the same thing as what I'm saying, like gorgeous. OK, so it just looks it looks really good. visuals. Yeah, it does look really good. Mm -hmm. But the, the story was a little bit lost and people in the comments are like, you're so wrong and blah, 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 blah. So I get that it probably resonates with some people. But I don't know, maybe, like I said, maybe I just wasn't in the mood. Maybe I wasn't looking deep enough. But um, for me, I feel like even if you're trying to tell me something, even if you're trying to get a point across, like non-verbally, non-traditionally, I think games are, are fully capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. But they tend to have strong gameplay elements as well. Like, mm -hmm. I don't ever... Well, they I never enjoy games where it's just like push one button and go and then be told a story like I need a little bit more interaction than that. And this wasn't challenging in any way emotionally or mentally. This was just kind of I, like it almost made me wish that I could just like push an autoplay button or something because it felt like it was almost just like an artistic like some sort of like art student's thesis project or something that i should be shown rather than trying to interact with it because the interactions i had with it were 
might as well have been non-existent yeah i mean i am all for support supporting developers especially indie developers but at, at the end of the day for you specifically it sounds like maybe you know watching a, a playthrough or a, like a twitch playthrough or even some youtube gameplay might have might have like i know this is the gamers in where we play games but it might have achieved the same <laughs> level that you got from just you know playing playing what you did play of it but at the end of the day i think uh, gris is one of those games that that fully backs up the fact that you know the video game industry and and people who play games and their opinions of them it's completely subjective so for you like not really you know getting into gris there are tons of people or there are people who have and that's great. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and I'm I'm not telling them that they mm-hmm. like a terrible game or anything. No. I just uh, I was looking forward to a gaming experience, and that is not what I got. Like, yeah, that's unfortunate. Fine. It's just uh, like I, I just think people should maybe know before they get into it that there Agreed. really isn't like at least at the beginning. Again, like I said, I got bored and couldn't make it through more than about thirty to forty minutes of it. Um, it's possible because I was intrigued by the idea that like as she moves through the stages which are supposedly the stages of grief then like she changes color her dress changes color she gets different powers and stuff and I was like ooh like when am I going to get like more buttons to press or secret areas to open up and it's like oh when her dress is red she can like jump on butterflies and then she gets a bit of a boost or something and I'm like that's not really a dress power though and it wasn't again and not because it's so um it's like handholdy in that way because then you're like okay well i can literally do nothing except move left and right and jump mm-hmm. so if i see a patch of butterflies i know that i have to jump on that because there's literally nothing else i can do so right well i'm gonna make <laughs> a terrible no challenge uh, to me there's no challenge there. yeah no i mean it sounds that it's and that's tough like i know your taste in video games and, and mine as well like, you and i don't it. i don't love platformers anyways True. unless they're a little right. bit more um like there has to be a lot to something to get me into a platformer mm. so what well, you know they, this just shouldn't check any boxes no. for me well i mean it, it happens right like it's 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 gonna happen but i mean it's true like it's true to its nature i think the second stage of grief is turning red and jumping on butterflies so like it uh, oh totally it, it definitely <laughs> lives up to i i mean it would be interesting this game sounds like it would be interesting it's like for example, Florence, which I talked about, I think last week. Uh, I think that was last week. If yeah. if you played twenty minutes and dropped it, it, it you haven't experienced what people are talking about, which is the entire experience. It is a shorter game, so it's easier to kind of put that time in. And I think Gris is also a shorter game, so I'm wondering, like, I would probably have <laughs> it's had supposed this... to be short, but I swear to God, it felt like I played for like <laughs> ten hours. Okay, well. <laughs> And again, like, I don't think, I, I think for you, maybe it is best to, to, to put it on the shelf, but I, I'm just thinking out loud in terms of Florence last week, if I had stopped playing after 20 minutes, now there is gameplay in Florence, there's, you know, there, there's stuff to do that is that is interesting and varied, but uh, I wonder if, if that game, if I would have a similar sort of response, because uh, it is a shorter game, like, you get a chunk of it, but... Yeah, and we've had this conversation before. Like, I think the same applies to like, oh, you got to get ten hours in, then it's really good. Uh, to you got to get ten, yeah. you got to get a couple hours in, and then it's really good. If 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 they don't get you in the first fifteen minutes, that can be really tough for a video game. You know, to explain mm-hmm. you over that. Well, over especially that hump. now where there are so many right. options in gaming, there are so many cool experiences that if your game relies on somebody sticking around for hours on end before Mm -hmm. they get to the good part, 
that might have worked back in the 90s where it was like literally you buy one or two games a year it comes on a cartridge it's like there and you play it and it's done like that might have worked back then but i think now we've got you know multiple consoles not even that like there's a console in the house it's like now you have multiple consoles and yeah. multiple companies competing for your time you've got indie games you got pcs you got mobile like there are so many gaming experiences to be had now on so many different platforms and so many different places mm-hmm. i just don't think the model for wait hours and then it gets good is a viable video gaming strategy anymore yeah and i mean it's funny like i know we already talked about pagers so we don't have to worry about sounding old but um like (laughs) they didn't have like free-to-play games when we were kids right yeah so now you have these free-to-play games uh, that that take up time and and you can invest both time and money into them uh it's crazy and you're right like even you know for me right now i I told this story on on dungeons and, and diapers but i i got the xbox one x um i traded in my old xbox but the xbox one x only comes with bundles it came with Fallout 76, and I'm like, well, I'm never going to play this. So they said, like, <laughs> oh, you can just trade it in, you know. Uh, and I was like, oh, perfect. So the, I'll trade it in, and I, it's EB Games. So they're not going to give you face yeah. value. They're going to give you, like, a third of the price. So they say, like, okay, we'll give you 20 bucks for Fallout 76. And I said to the guys, like, <laughs> you know what? That's actually a really good deal. I highly doubt I could get 20 bucks for this off the street, even, like, if it's still shrink-wrapped. I think they bumped, they said, oh, well, we can bump it up five bucks if you buy something from the flyer right now because it was Boxing Week. And I'm like, I'm looking at the flyer oh, okay. and I'm like, I, ha- I either have everything on another platform or I don't want it. And I finally see Dragon Quest XI. And it's like, oh, that kind of sounds interesting. It might look really good on the on the TV. It's a, it's a very you know colorful RPG. I'll never beat it, but what's the worst that could happen? So he checks me out. I give him the game. I give him the game, and he he cashes me out, and and he he hands me back the game, and he's like, "Yeah, I think you're gonna really like it." And the best part is, like, it's kind of two games in one. So after the first 150 hours, it like opens up a oh second <laughs> campaign, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, "You realize I'm in here with my two kids, right? Like, there's no <laughs> way I am." What getting- <laughs> part of you? <laughs> What part of me makes you think that I have 150 hours to play before I hit the second campaign? Yeah, and I haven't sunk that kind of time into a game since Skyrim. I know. Since the, the inception of this here podcast. Yeah. You know. 355 episodes ago, <laughs> and I'm... I sunk 150 hours into a game. Now, to be fair, I've definitely sunk more than 150 right. hours into Hearthstone and WoW. But you have podcasts for those. Then. But so, yeah, like... So... The content matches the the, the time. The reason I haven't finished Xenoblade Chronicles yet is I really want to, but I'm like so much time and story, and I we mean should we just, have this conversation like every other episode. Yeah. But we should make a pact that we just we maybe one week we just say no, we'll play Xenoblade, we'll talk about it, and then we'll just never bring it up again. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, back with Dragon Quest Eleven, like I, I said to the guys, like, oh great, and I was, and that that was a day where I had to make so many decisions, and I'm just like, I'm walking out of here with this game, and I'm gonna forget that you told me that because you don't know. <laughs> you, I mean. I get it. Like, he's excited about the video game. And then I look to my right, and I see the uh, Diablo Amiibo. And I'm like, man, why didn't I just get that? Like, how many more? Like, what's this thing? Like, do you still have any? He's like, yeah, that's our last one. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to go through the... I'm leaving, and I'm I'm not going to (laughs) leave. But I wish I had just bought that Amiibo, because honestly, at least it would have looked cool on my shelf uh, and not, not just stare at me like, you have 150 hours, let's do this. It's terrible. 
Anyways. Yeah, I don't have... I don't oh, have that voice that. is amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> That's Dragon Quest XI. I, I don't think we'll ever bring it up, because it'll take forever to get through the game, so... Ugh, no, you're sneezing on a podcast. Hmm? Oh, I just sound like... <laughs> you, you suddenly breathed in... Breathed out... It, <laughs> We've already given it more time than the sneeze originally had, so. Yeah. Uh, what about Artifact? <laughs> right, so, I want to know. Oh, okay. I was going to say we should talk about Walking Dead, but no, I can talk about Artifact mm-hmm. because I had the exact opposite experience with Artifact that I had with Grease. So Artifact, and obviously because I do play a lot of Hearthstone, I kind of was expecting to at least, like, enjoy it, I guess. Like, right. I, I was kind of going into it thinking, I like Hearthstone, but... A lot of Hearthstone pros jumped o- over to Artifact and were like, Artifact, 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 Hearthstone Killer, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Which, you know, don't you always love those statements? Like, Work oh, for this MMO is going to be the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, so people were basically talking about how this was the be-all, end-all. Obviously, it's Valve's property, so they, you know, it had a lot of um, eyeballs on it on Steam. They were talking about having million-dollar tournaments and making it into this awesome esport and everything else. And it had on Steam in its launch week hmm. sixty thousand and change concurrent players, which is which is pretty good. Yeah. But they have since dropped down. I couldn't even find it in the top one hundred. They are down to around fifteen hundred concurrent players now. Hmm. So it has dropped off like crazy so i was i think going into it my expectations for it because i waited so long uh, my expectations for it were like down at the floor like i basically had no expectations i was like okay this is another one that was recommended to me i've been meaning to play it i bought it like i pre-ordered it Mm -hmm. (laughs) i've been meaning to play it i just had a i haven't had the time because it launched in late november and i mean you guys know what november december were like for me so i just hadn't had the time to jump into it yet and then once all the players started dropping out of it i was like oh this game's probably shit so i'm just gonna not play it um but it was recommended by the discord so thank you guys so much for making me play this game because honestly i must have played it for like three hours this afternoon and i had a whole hell of a lot of fun i only played uh bot games i didn't actually play against other people but even that was super fun and i found uh i was expecting it to be much much more complicated and i think the only thing that is complicated about it is learning the new keywords and learning all the cards and what works well together and what doesn't Mm -hmm. uh because the expert bot definitely beat me but um now that I've actually played it, because I had watched some tournaments, I think it was really enjoyable. I, It has a lot of different layers of strategy. The animations are really cool. And, like, when the minions go into combat, there's a real satisfying, like, thump and then, like, cha-ching when all the coins drop and hit the table and stuff. And I don't know. It's, it's little things like that that I, I find. Uh, like, it's a very well-made, polished game. Mm-hmm. That also was a lot of fun and it is complicated. The interface is not necessarily player friendly. And I think that if you aren't familiar with card games, if you haven't played Hearthstone and if you haven't played Dota, which I have done all of those things, then I can see how it would be very overwhelming and it would probably turn people off because the thing that Hearthstone always did very, very well was easy to understand, hard to master. Artifact, I think, is 
hard to understand and hard to master. But I feel like once you actually get it, it's super satisfying. Like, there's a lot of really good game there, but it's not easy at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that <laughs> so sounds... if I didn't have all that Hearthstone experience and understanding, mm-hmm. I could see going into Artifact, playing a couple of matches and going, I don't get this, I'm out. Yeah, and, I, and uh, for me, like, Hearthstone's kind of been uh the bar for me in terms of trading card games because i'm not a collector you know i i go for what looks cool and that super does not work in trading card games you know it works well on fire emblem heroes where you can just collect the heroes you like and you can get by you know without min maxing um but you know an artifact the fact that it's a pay game so you have to pay to get you you have to it's pay to play right you gotta it's like 20 bucks isn't it uh i think so yeah again i bought it way back in the beginning of november i can't actually remember um what i paid for but it was around 20 or 25 dollars canadian yeah so it's it's pay to it's pay to get in and then you're also paying for card boosters right because it's not like it's it's not like you grind to get it you you have to pay for those boosters true okay so i do i do want to talk about this because this was a big thing with the community and Basically, they came from a place where you could earn a ton of cards in Hearthstone and mm-hmm. you could buy card packs, but you didn't have to. You could just kind of grind and grind and grind and grind. So when people were like, okay, so now I need to pay for Artifact and then I need to pay for things on top of that, that seems like a ridiculous money grab. I took a look today because I obviously like I was paying very close attention and it might be because the concurrent players are so low, like the community really has shrunk. I'm wondering if that's kind of part of it. Mm-hmm. But the interface is actually really easy to use when it comes to selling your duplicates. And I didn't bother because a lot of my duplicates basically said they're worth like literally a penny. So I was like, ah, eh, whatever. Like, I'm not I'm not going to bother putting these up. But then I went into a section where it's like you can choose your deck and then it shows you some other Uh, kind of like pre-made decks or you can go into your collection and you can build a deck and you can build a deck using cards you don't have so you basically just like turn off the like only show me cards I own filter and it'll show you every card in the game you can build the deck you want and then there's a little green button down in the corner that says this is the cost on the marketplace to fill in your deck Mm. so it's basically like every single card that you're missing here's the cost of buying them off the marketplace so I had a deck that had two thirds of the cards missing that was going to cost me three dollars and five cents to finish the entire deck. Oh, well, that's, for not, that's awesome. Two dollars. Yeah. For two dollars and sixty nine cents, you can buy a pack of cards that will give you 12 cards. One's guaranteed to be a hero. One's guaranteed to be a uh, like their equi- their equivalent of a legendary card. I think they're called rares, but it's like the rarest cards in the game. So you're guaranteed a rare, you're guaranteed a hero. And then all of your cards have a chance to upgrade. So they all start at um, like common and then they can upgrade to uncommon or whatever. Like, I can't remember. They're, they have weird names for rarities. I don't know them. I, I literally only played the game this afternoon, so I don't mm. remember card rarities. But uh, point is like, they can start at the most basic card and then they all have a chance to upgrade after that. And it will also show you when you open your card pack, it'll show you the ones that have upgraded. And I opened, I think, five packs of cards because that's what comes. So 
you automatically, by buying the game, get two pre-built decks. So I got a red-green deck and a blue-black deck. And then you get five packs of... So you basically get, like, 60 cards. Um, and with all of that, again, like I said, this one deck that was two-thirds not finished was going to cost me just over the cost of card pack to finish. Hmm. Could be because... The, like nobody's really buying the cards so the the cost on the marketplace has gone down but i did have a look on what was currently on offer in the marketplace there was one hero that was five dollars and 73 cents i think there was another hero that was around two dollars and 70 cents another hero in the one dollar range and every other card was five cents or cheaper i was like hmm. even if I were to go to the marketplace and buy every single card, I wouldn't spend as much money on artifact as I spend on a pre-order for one Hearthstone expansion. And then I don't every card in the game. So I'm just like, I know a lot of people had concerns about artifact and its monetary system, but I will take being able to go in and buy a card off somebody that's the exact card I want over Hearthstone system any day of the week. Well, like, it puts, any day of the week <laughs> it puts the power in the hands of the consumer for better or worse exactly. and if everybody if everybody in the marketplace agrees like yeah this is a digital card it is worthless basically but we are going to assign an arbitrary value to it in this case five cents and i can understand rarity like if there's a rare hero that doesn't pop up very often and it costs money to summon or to get that card it makes sense <laughs> I don't know. Like someone's been playing too much Fire Emblem. <laughs> well, and I was just gonna say that actually we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Fire Emblem Heroes uh, just introduced a similar mechanic where you could purchase um, a bundle that came with one of the heroes in in one of the the special banners, you know, where you're summoning, and it was a hundred dollar bundle. And we had a, like a fifteen minute conversation about like what it means to value a hero at over a hundred dollars canadian and then if i if you buy that which i have not uh because mm. basically putting a hundred dollars into a game removes you from the free-to-play realm and squarely puts you in the idea of you have no problem putting a hundred dollars into into a free-to-play game which is fine if you if that's your jam but i'm not ready to cross that cross that bridge but if you look at artifact and they're valuing you know these cards uh, or completing decks at, at dollars and cents um that's really good for the consumer but i wonder from a developer standpoint like how how did it like if that was their monetization strategy how do you keep that game successful if that's not panning out maybe it was never meant to be a money maker in terms of selling and buying cards Maybe where it was meant to make money is maybe the way well, to do Well, I, I feel decks. like that's... I, yeah, I feel like that's almost like tertiary. So their primary mm. way of, of making money is obviously the fact that everybody pays 20 to $25 to play the game, period, right? Yeah. And then they also have like the card packs that you can buy. So if you're not really sure what you want to do or, you know, whatever, you don't know what you want out of the marketplace, then mm -hmm. you just, you know, you pay them $2 and 69 cents and you get a, you get 12 cards and, and you go from there sort of thing. But if you know exactly what you want, then there is a third way to exchange money for goods. And that's, you know, the, the community driven marketplace. Mm -hmm. So it is neat. And I, I think it was, it was probably built into their, 
monetization plan, obviously, because it's a way to make money in the game. But I don't necessarily think it was their main their main plan for making money. And the other thing that I found I found really interesting is that there was also so when you first go in, you have your first two games against the AI that basically introduces you to the two free decks that they give you. Mm. And then as soon as you go in, you can you can mess around with the whole rest of the game. But as soon as you go in to open your packs, it pops up a message and says, just so you know, if you open your like randomly generated, they, I think they called it the gift with purchase or whatever, but it's the five packs get the 60 cards um like if you open these packs you can no longer get a refund on steam so oh. it's not like time based like most games it's literally like once you open our randomly generated stuff and i think it's so you can't like refund buy another copy of artifact mm -hmm. try to get better luck with your pack openings and just keep doing that cycle so they say like once you open your random packs then you can no longer um get your refund yeah. so i thought that was kind of a another nice like Hey, just so you know, you're reaching the point of no return thing that they didn't really have to do. No, but yeah, it's I uh... don't know. I, I just feel like um, as someone who plays digital card games and has for a while now, I feel like as much as people were upset about artifacts monetization before the game came out, I really and honestly think this is the best way to do it because you really can't have like the ability to grind out cards and then also have a consumer driven marketplace. And I think the consumer driven marketplace is way more consumer friendly than any other card game that I've played. Like there's lots of card games like um, Shadowverse and Eternal that hmm. give you cards hand over fist. Then there's a game like Hearthstone, which doesn't have to do that because it was, you know, the most widely adopted and one of the first ones in the space and everything else. So it it has an established fan base, but you can still, you know, like grind things out and be free to play and all the rest of it. But it's a huge time investment. And I think if a deck and artifact cost $30, then I would be more hesitant. But the fact that I could get like two-thirds of the cards in the deck for three dollars i'm like why would this why on earth would this be a bad thing and like i said i did take a look at the at what was available on the marketplace and i'm like even if i wanted the three most expensive heroes that would be like eight dollars total <laughs> mm -hmm. plus plus another maybe 50 cents to fill in all the other like rarities of cards and stuff so I don't know. I, I really am a fan of this monetization and I think that it's really it's great for the consumer and I'm kind of surprised that more people aren't playing Artifact because I had a really good time. But like I said, hard to hard to learn, hard to master, hard to everything. But I think in the end, there's a lot of really fun gameplay there and it's complicated, but I think in a good way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm looking forward to playing a lot more of it. Cool. Well, I, I want to I'm looking forward to seeing where the game goes, because I think that the trading card realm could use some competition and it's almost the opposite yeah. reaction to what happened with uh, Dota 2 and Heroes of the Storm. You've got Hearthstone coming in and and, St and Valve being like, OK, let's let's uh, let's do this dance over here now. You know, so you've got Artifact out to kind of combat uh, Hearthstone's superiority. So it's kind of mm -hmm. neat. And I and, and Valve supports their games for better or worse. So it'll be good to see where it goes. Yeah. And I mean, there have been a lot of updates and stuff. And some of the updates are things I think that have 
um, force people out of the community, but I don't know. Hmm. I, I think they seem to be listening. They seem to be putting in a lot of changes and updates and, and everything else. So I don't know. I, I'm going to keep my eye on it. I'm going to keep playing. I think when it comes to an actual competitor to Hearthstone, and the other thing is when I talk about like concurrent users and stuff, I mean, the concurrent users could be the, the super hardcore like pro people, right? So if you've got a good pro scene, then you're going to have a good esports scene, even if there's not a whole bunch of other people playing. So we'll have to see how it develops over time. I think in terms of an actual Hearthstone competitor, very, very likely Magic, the, the uh, Magic Arena mm-hmm. is probably the one that's going to give Hearthstone a little bit more of a run for its money. But Hearthstone is still just doing gangbusters compared to its competitors in the scene right now, which is kind of unfortunate because Hearthstone could use a good kick in the ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it never hurts to have a good kick in the ass every once in a while. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) I really want to hear about Walking Dead's final season because, again, like this is the the season we didn't think that we were going to get because Telltale uh, failed. And so I'm really curious. Did it feel rushed or did it feel... Um, incomplete or not up to the normal standards? Like, how how did it feel playing this this final episode yeah. of the final season? Well, actually, there's one... Uh, so, I guess I worded this weirdly. There's, there's one more episode to come out in March. It's all been dated, so that's nice. Basically, when episode two launched, Telltale's like, yeah, we... We can't even, and they and they uh, they shut down, <laughs> and uh, and that was so. That's what I mean. I played the final episode by the the Telltale devs, which was episode two. That episode was super strong, and very well written, animated, like some of the best work Telltale's ever done. And to go out to for Telltale to go out on that episode specifically, it was it was it was kind of heartbreaking because you kind of wanted to see what that whole team would do. Oh, so this this isn't the last episode there, of all of the final season yeah stuff. there's there's one more but what i was getting at basically oh, is okay. i i finally played episode two now that they've announced that three three and three is coming coming right well three's okay. out i did play three as well so that's where it's interesting oh. to kind of look at the comparison where epic well it's not epic but skybound games supported by epic through the epic game store and and all that fun jazz um episode three came out this week uh, I played through episode two and three back to back, and there is some quality differences there. Like it seems like there's more polish in episode two, and it might just be me kind of like trying to pay more attention to that kind of stuff, because like you've played the Telltale. Yeah, games. I wonder if you even. I wonder if you would even notice if you hadn't. Yeah. Like if they if they had kept all this behind closed doors somehow. Well, I mean, you you wouldn't notice if you just if you you didn't read any of the news. And you just played the game because Telltale's still all over it. There's no like big epic games or Skybound games. Like it's, it, it feels like just a continuation, except now, like there's a bunch of Kotaku articles attached to it. So, but <laughs> but in this instance, it, the third episode that came out from from Epic, like it was a it was a direct follow up. It, it felt like the episode three that, in terms of a continuation of the story and the choices and the characters that are introduced, and it felt really good. There was some shaky moments where it, it felt like maybe there was a, a lack of polish, but at the end of the day, like that could be just chalked up to, to telltale, you know, this is a very old engine. Like, I don't think they're, I, this was the last game to be built on the telltale engine and, and, and well, no, yeah, it will God. Be. yeah, I know it, 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 <laughs> it needed to be put to rest, not the company. Um, so 
No, and I, I will say, like, Telltale's stories were mm-hmm. always, I felt, quite interesting. For me, though, the fact that they didn't make updates to their visuals or their gameplay, like, one of the first criticisms of their first title, which mm-hmm. was The Walking Dead, that was the very first season of The Walking Dead that they did, was this is a really cool, really interesting story in the universe, but man, it's janky and the visuals aren't great and the, you know, lips don't match up and you get caught on invisible crap and, you know, like it just doesn't look very good mm-hmm. and the engine doesn't work very well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do on a new updated engine because it's now they have Walking Dead money and everyone's talking about this game and everyone's playing this game. Clearly, before they do something else, they'll upgrade their systems. And then they just didn't. And they kept putting stuff out on this janky engine. And I'm like, no wonder you guys failed. <laughs> well, I mean, they just kept bolting on. They they had this Frankenstein of an engine. And and you feel yeah. it. You feel it with this one. You feel it's, it's kind of bursting at the seams. But in terms of a story and what most people are, are checking these games out for, I'm a, I'm a fan of The Walking Dead. Obviously, we'll, we'll talk about this on Zombies Ain't My Podcast. But... Uh, the, the second episode, which I just played, I did not want to play it when it first came out because I was like, I don't even yeah. want to touch this thing if it's not going to be continued. Like, if this thing just falls flat, like, there's no point. And I'll be totally honest, mm-hmm. I kind of wish that Epic hadn't come to bail them out because I wanted to see what was going to happen with consumers and the idea of paying for a season and then <laughs> right. not getting the season, like, how that was actually going to play out in the marketplace, like, Would that mean that people would stop buying season passes for DLC? Would that mean that, you know, Steam would have to refund money? Or like, like I wanted to see how that was going to develop. And we never really got an answer to that question, which I feel like is a very important question in gaming right now, because anything, any company can fail. Like, I don't think that anyone expected Telltale to fall apart before finishing The Walking Dead. Like, that was a tentpole series for that Mm -hmm. company. And for them to say... We literally can't keep the lights on, so we have to stop. They were working with Netflix, the biggest yeah. entertainment company, one of the biggest entertainment companies in, in the world, and, and they failed. And that that is telling. And I think, I mean, we've talked about the Telltale story before, but I think what, what it really comes down to is bad engine, and that's that's a fact. That isn't just us nitpicking. Yeah. And second, they just they kept thinking that the newest and hottest licenses would keep them afloat. Like they Guardians of the Galaxy got big. What game were they making with Marvel? Guardians of the Galaxy. You know they got they had Stranger Things. They, they had they had Batman. Game of Thrones. Like uh, everyone, every time they announced a new property, it was like, oh, I really hope that Game of Thrones game uses a new engine because I really want to see a yeah. Game of Thrones game that's good. You know, and but but that all being said, like the engine services the story in in final season. It doesn't crop up as often as it has in past titles. Um, and they do something like, I don't want to spoil it because, because it's a cool use of an enemy, uh, in the game or in, in the game, they, they take the story and it's very similar, um, to some of the characters they're playing around with in the current season of the walking dead and, you know, in past comic arcs where they've taken this, this enemy type and they've brought them over to this other world in a different light. And they're exploring that idea. It's not just a, oh, this is our Negan type, but he's not actually Negan, even though he's he's got a swagger and a baseball bat. But it's not Negan. 
It's our Negan <laughs> type. And that's not interesting. That's what they did with Game of yeah. Thrones. It was really boring. But they've literally oh, yeah. taken... Game of Thrones was like the same story. Yeah. Just with changed names. And you were like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> why not just use... Why not just play the main story? <laughs> yeah, but in this one, they take they take a, an enemy type and they bring him over. And it references the comic books. It references a community that you were probably like, huh, that is probably Rick's community because that story sounds super familiar. And mm. it explores the idea of, you know, you're kind of thinking in The Walking Dead, like, oh, every, you know, everybody who isn't us is this, are these crazy bad guys and they're just going to kill us all and then we'll survive and then some other crazy bad guys will come along. This is telling, uh, it's kind of a side story, but it's but it's very important to the main story in that, it's telling the story of that one guy you kind of hope or hope exists in that group. Like there's got to be one person in the crazy guy group who kind of thinks, hey, guys, aren't we being a little We're crazy a here? Little crazy. <laughs> you know, and and they tell that story as sort of a, a nice side part that that affects the main the main plot points. And, you know, they have callbacks to like characters from, you know, uh from past seasons. There's a character that you, you didn't think you'd ever see again. And then suddenly they're there and it. And it kind of makes sense. Like, it kind of fits. Enough time has passed between all those seasons that you can kind of, like, say, like, it's a bit, like, a bit of serendipity, but I guess it, it I, I guess this works. It could happen. It could I mean, happen. how many people are possibly left in the world? Exactly. Sure, like, they might run into each other. It's a great point, because this is so far in the apocalypse that, like, all, you know, much of humanity has, has passed on, right? So it is interesting to see, like, when people survive in this I world. I love how you say passed on. Like, it's some, like peaceful like oh, no i guess you're right on. when realistically if anyone's ever watched the walking dead they got ripped from limb from limb yeah okay well okay not everybody has a death so stylish as glenn or uh well spoilers but that's been long enough uh, i think like you're right like yeah that was a i was sugarcoating it people literally get torn apart limb from limb you're right sometimes guts from guts but like i think that um they just they've told this really excellent story with the side character and it just goes to show that they this season shows they're very much caring of the the source material uh they very much care about the characters they've created in clementine and lee and uh and the new characters that they've created and setting up these stories with aj and uh raising a kid basically you it, the other thing i like about this is it's it's setting up this universe where you have this this kid AJ, who's introduced, I think, in the second game as as just a a small child. Uh, ta- I don't baby. think I ever made it through because uh, the second game she's all on her own, right? And so I think she I is, made yeah. it through the first episode of the second Walking Dead game, and that was it. I never got much further than that, and I yeah. just I have to mention Josh's I, comment I just from read the it. room because it's hilarious. If passed on is how Ryan <laughs> describes Walking Dead death. What does he consider getting slaughtered? Look, I just didn't want to be morbid, okay? It's bad enough we're talking about, like, the end of the world here. We don't need to just bring the whole room down, guys. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so, yeah, with your, your, so AJ's introduced, like, kind of midway through uh, the second season, if not later on in the second season, and you you're basically raising him so by the time the final season starts he's nowhere to be found in in season three and then in season uh this what is essentially season four he is now probably i'd say maybe 10 
No, probably like five or six. It's hard to tell. I won't understand until like Caden's five or six. I'm not yeah. good with kids in their ages. Like I, I, they just get taller and they learn to speak better. Um, but uh, anyway, with this, like with AJ, everything you do affects his decisions and and how he listens to you. So like if you are very aggressive in front of him, he's going to think that's normal behavior. You know, if you're answering people very aggressively, he's going to also think that's normal behavior. And there's a lot of these learning moments where he's like finding a, you know, a, a policeman action figure. And he's like, what's this? What's this person do? And explaining that to him is like kind of this fish out of water experience. I think one's like someone said hootenanny and it says, that sounds like a swear. It's like, no, it's, <laughs> it's just another word for party, but I can see where you kind of got that from, you know? So it's, there's a lot of those interesting moments as well. And they don't feel overdone, at least to me. They feel, uh, they, they sprinkle them in nicely, you know, like the, like what's the old world like kind of conversations, but from a, from a kid's perspective. Yeah. So yeah, it's really good. I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm looking forward to the conclusion to see what they do with these characters and whether this is actually the final season. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, so there is still one more to come. I thought yeah. there was only three for some reason. Well, I thought that the, yeah. or maybe was there only supposed to be. Oh, I don't even There know. was only supposed to be four, and that was cut short from their normal season length, which is usually five episodes. So there is right. there is one more episode. And, and the way episode three ends feels very uh, binary in terms of what happens with certain characters at the end of it based on your choices. So it'll be interesting to see... Like, episode four is definitely the end, or else they'd have a lot of loose ends to kind of mm. rearrange and tie back up. So it'll be... It'll be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it ends. And, and I really, really hope that at the very end of this, and I know you you had that morbid curiosity of like what would happen to all those season pass holders. Thanks for that. Um, if, if they didn't continue the game. But I'm wondering what happens now. Like now that Skybound Games and Epic, they have these this team ready to make another adventure game. Like do they just say, hey, start making games in the Unreal Engine and keep on trucking like skybound games has the license to the walking dead it's theirs so do they keep going and make new stories in the walking dead universe like it'll be interesting to see very cool i still am not going to get back into it no, but that's fine. i'm really you excited have. i'm excited that at least you're playing through this so yeah. that i don't have to <laughs> i'm more than happy to <laughs> All right, if you guys would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash thegamersin. Our goal is to gain one new patron each month. So if you've been thinking of supporting the show over on Patreon, Patreon, you could be our featured patron for January. So again, that's patreon.com slash thegamersin. And don't forget to join the Discord app at least slash TGI Discord. That's where we do all of our chatting in between shows. That's where both the recommendations for games that I played this week came from. So if you'd like to interact with the show on a more daily and personal basis, head to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. That brings us to our topic of the week this week. We are talking about EA canceling an open world Star Wars title. So, <laughs> Ryan, I'm going to let you take the lead on this story because I think I already know how you feel, <laughs> judging by the notes, but I'm actually <laughs> curious. So, so yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, EA canceling the Star Wars. So this is an interesting one. I mean, you have you have the biggest entertainment franchise out there. Like Star, I think if you looked at the numbers, Star Wars is is pretty much top of the list, if not top three. And it's got the exclusive license to major console and PC games has gone to EA for the last 
I think over the last five years. And if you look at the track record for EA, they've put out two games, Battlefront 1 and Battlefront 2, right? And Battlefront 2 was, was, had its own issues. But what they've done is they've canceled, this isn't the first major Star Wars game they've canceled. They actually canceled the one by Visceral, or at least they said they were kind of rebooting it. But at the very least, like that version was canceled. And now we're getting word that another one's been canceled. This is the open world game being made out of a Vancouver studio. Uh, the reason being they're saying is that they, or it's being reported that they canceled it because it was just getting too big in scope. And they wanted a game for 2020 when really this game was looking like it was going to come out 21, 2022. So that's kind of the EA reason from the from the pocketbook standpoint, because they have the Respawn game coming out in the fall of 2019. But like, I just don't know how a major company like EA can take such a large franchise and just bungle it up so badly when Star Wars is literally a franchise that can print money. Like, look at what Disney's doing with from TV to cartoons to even launching a streaming service around it. Like, it's just, it just, I mean, it's not easy, but it doesn't seem, it sounds like it's easier to make, like, they're, like, trying too hard to fail. It's, I don't get it. It's always easier to make money with an established franchise mm-hmm. than it is with coming up with your own IP. I don't think that anyone's going to argue with you there. And Star Wars is one of the most lucrative, <laughs> lucrative lucrative yeah, franchises in there. i think of uh of you know this day and age and so i don't necessarily think that you're wrong there but i am gonna kind of go out on a limb here and say maybe this is a good thing because i would rather see ea take the time to get a, a not not even just a, a star wars game but just to get a game right instead of giving us another like battlefield 2 you've already mentioned today Mm. or andromeda or you know like i would rather see them take a step back and say you know what we could let this game come out in two or three years and have it be a too large in scope rushed piece of crap and Mm -hmm. destroy all credibility that we have with star wars fans so that if we do ever get it right they're not going to buy it or we could say this is getting out of control. We've lost our focus. This project isn't going to work. It's not a fun game. Let's just stop and try to do something properly. I I think that this is a good. I think this is a good thing. It, I mean, you can learn. You can certainly look at it. And and again, like I'm kind of uh, taking on the mantle of of much of the vocal minority on the internet of being like rah yay. And you know, usually I don't like pick up pitchfork and torch and kind of join the masses. But in this. And you're right. You're completely right. Like if if this game was off the rails, and the other game they canceled was was having issues, which has been part of the reporting as well, then yeah, it makes sense to cancel and refocus and and come up with something. They're they're doing something of a smaller scope to have it out in the next two years, which makes perfect sense. The last thing you want them to say is like, get this thing out at 2020 for the books, you know? Yeah. And. Which is something that everyone is getting super mad at Activision for right now. Yeah. Like, you know, cutting money and, you know, getting things out for the optics or for, you know, the, the balance sheet or whatever. It's like, guys, you can't get mad at companies for both things. Like, mm-hmm. they can't both be doing it wrong because there isn't really a whole lot other ways to do this. Like, <laughs> companies still have to make money. So either they cancel projects that 
aren't going to do well or they sorry thrall is just like totally distracting me and like being an asshole right now so okay <laughs> i totally lost my train of thought but the point is there we've got two companies that are doing like different things like one is like super cutting and like roundabout laying people off and then ea comes and says you know what we're gonna take more time with this franchise we're gonna change the scope we're gonna whatever and we're like crucifying these two companies like there's no other way to do it if there's stuff if they need to make money like well and that's the i'd rather and i can't believe i'm saying this after (laughs) all the times they've burnt me in the past but i would rather the ea way which is almost like the old blizzard way of saying we're gonna cancel shit that isn't good (laughs) like yeah, this is what we used to love Blizzard for, <laughs> and we still, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like we we like Blizzard didn't fire people, you know they, and this is the same thing that EA did. Like they said to their to EA's credit, they did not they did not let anybody go when they when they changed the scope of this project. Yeah, they refocused the project. Yeah, so I mean it's news, but it's maybe not like maybe maybe just Pitchfork, and maybe you're you're just working working the land a bit with it as opposed to like trying to take EA on, right? So I think like, yeah, you're right. Maybe we wait and see. But after Battlefront 2, a lot of folks are really concerned that you have this, like, yes, we're getting Star Wars movies. We're getting great Star Wars TV in in the near future, maybe. But like, it still would be great to have those Star Wars games. And when you look at when Disney bought Marvel and they set up Marvel games, and now we have Spider-Man, like that's the type of game that Star Wars fans want. Like a great polished product that they took time to make and ea hasn't delivered that to us even though they've had the license for so long so i think that how long have they had the license well battlefront one was announced i'm, I'm not gonna be able to pull it pull it out of my uh, <laughs> in my head here but uh, battlefront 2 came out in 2016 2017 yeah it was not this year but it was last uh last two years ago and then i think battlefront one came out two years prior to that so i think 2015 so we're going and i thought battlefront one was mm-hmm. very well received it was so yeah so they've had it since 2013 and you're right battlefront one was well received in that it was a a good first kick at the can it was a it was a polished you know good package like it was it had all the maps you were looking for the stories or not the stories but the the characters and, and the interactions and the sounds and all that so it was a great sounding looking playing star wars game you're right uh, I think Battlefront 2 just suffered a lot from its microtransaction issues, and that set them back quite a bit. I mean, people really didn't like EA to begin with, what with all the other stuff they've been they've been doing. But I think that when this, they need a win. They need a Star Wars game to come out and be like, yeah, this is a great Star Wars game. We're we're doing it. We're back. And I think that's where Respawn comes in with their title in 2019. I think if that thing slips. Or, or starts to show cracks, like people will will jump to conclusions. I don't want them to, but I, I do still want a good game, and you're right. Like, I don't want them to rush it out. Like, if they need another year with these titles, like, I think that's more important than, than, than getting something out. But there's no reason EA couldn't do something a little bit smaller with, with the franchise as well. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm hopeful that this smaller scope project is, because personally, I, I like small experiences as well. I don't need the big 150 hour RPG, right? <laughs> That's something we talked about earlier. So yeah. yeah, I'm curious to see where this leads. And I, and I, and I hope, I hope that, uh, I just want to play a good star Wars game. Really? Fair enough. 
Yeah. And I think that this is allowing them the time to redistribute their resources and actually make a good Star Wars game. So good. I don't know. I, I, I hope that this is. I think well, and maybe I just want to look at this as good news because I've had enough of mm-hmm. the sky is falling reporting that happens not just in video games but just in general. There's all there's only so much that you can take. So oh, this I'm is definitely to look at this in a positive light and say, I trust that if they canceled a project, it wasn't going to be a great game that now we're not going to get. Like if even EA thinks this is going to be a bad game. Maybe it was actually a pile of shit, and we should be happy we never have to play it. <laughs> I think I think EA, EA learned their lesson from Andromeda. Like, they can't do that again. Not that Andromeda needed to be canceled, but there was probably a point in time in development where they're like, yeah, this isn't coming together. We need to kind of refocus here and, and make a good Mass Effect game. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, you're right. And they didn't do that. So this is what I'm, I'm saying yeah. is that, like, you know, they could have stuck with it. They could have released it in 2020 or whatever. And it could have been Andromeda, but with Star Wars characters. But instead, they're saying, no, you know what? This open world thing isn't working. So we're going to refocus and, and maybe go smaller scope. Because if Andromeda had been smaller scope and more focused and more in line with the rest of the Mass Effect trilogy, then I think it would have been fine. But it just kind of went splur all over the place and was a terrible experience. So yeah, instead of going splur all over the place, they're going, okay, narrow the focus do something different i don't think that's a bad thing yeah well i i i I think you're right i think you're right and yeah the it's pretty it's it's a pretty sky is falling type story because i think this is the second type of story it just sucks when you have to write this story twice but you're right like if if ea just hasn't had good track records with their dev teams like maybe this is their opportunity to to address it so i i hope i hope i hope this goes in 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 a positive direction yeah all right, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com or you can follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays, Brian is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and tell us about why I'm totally wrong about this whole EA Star Wars thing, do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Here we go!